And so I would say reflect on yourself as a person and be like, what type of person do I want to be? And if I'm just out for myself, it's not fun. It's not great. And I think I'm ultimately going to lose in this current environment. So I think the more we can pair that together with the people that we are and how we present ourselves, if you can truly do that, then I think you have an increased chance of succeeding in entrepreneurship these days. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. My book, Relentless, is now available everywhere books can be bought online, including Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Try your local indie bookstore too, and if they don't have it, they can order it. Just ask them. The reviews are streaming in, and I'm so thankful for the positive feedback, as well as hearing from people that my memoir has impacted them positively. It is not enough to be resilient. You have to be relentless. You can go to therelentlessbook.com for more information. Thank you so much. John Hall is a serial entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, Top of Mind. John also advises innovation growth companies like Calendar and Relevance. We talk about PR, SEO, and thought leadership and how they work together to help build brands. Now let's get right into it. So Relevance, it was actually naturally created after my last exit. So my last exit was Influence & Co., which was the largest creator and distributor of expert content and media at the time. So we sold that, and that was focused around thought leadership, but which creating byline content, getting quotes, highlighting individuals within a company. What ended up happening is that it was hard to quantify ROI when you're just doing thought leadership, for example. So we started doing some growth marketing strategies with some of our investment companies where we were saying, hey, let's Let's do that, but let's also do PR to highlight the thought leadership. But then while we were looking at that, we were like, well, while you're doing that, the direction that search, either Google and Bing are going is that they want you to earn that industry leadership so that you show up for these keywords. So then we added that kind of almost like do a pretty little Venn diagram. You have thought leadership, PR and SEO, and we started focusing on that middle. So where relevance kind of came in is that we were doing investments that were needing those strategies, it was working out, the investments were doing extremely well. And then so we just created a service company because companies would come to us and say, hey, this investment of yours is doing well on organic growth. What should we do? And I'd be like, hey, like, you know, go to this person who was doing it for us. And that's kind of how relevance started. And then and it grew and here we are today. And so, yeah, it's turned into be a pretty thriving growth marketing service that does pretty well. How long ago was that created? I mean, I guess it was acquired maybe a couple of years ago. So it's relatively new, to be honest with you, because they were helping our investments out first. And then it was helping our investments out and then ultimately ended up maybe two years ago into being an actual service company. And it also has the investment arm as well that I'm very involved in. Would you consider Relevance to be, this is kind of a new word for me, a growth hacking company? 
So I don't like the term growth hacking because in reality, it used to be a very cool term, but in reality, Google, a lot of these, they're so smart these days. You can still get away with some growth hacking, by the way. So there's elements that are great about it. But in reality, these days, it's got to be earned. With chat GPT and all these functionalities coming out and how smart things are, in reality, you got to earn it and you got to do it right. And that's why any company we're involved in, it's not about growth hacking. It's about growth marketing, earning. And we're more on the organic side. The growth marketing is kind of a big area. There's paid, which includes affiliates and ads and stuff. We're more on like, let's earn it. Let's get that really good content out there. Let's get it on site. Let's earn this credibility and trust. And then let's make sure we're ranking for the things people want to educate, be educated on. And so for me, that's not growth hacking. It's just doing growth marketing very, very well. Now, occasionally you'll find a hack in there where you're like, oh, this is cool. We were able to do this, which helped with us getting there quicker or whatever. But the problem is, is that these days when you really focus on things like that, you can lose it pretty quick. Like for example, with ChatGPT, everybody rushing to there, they're like, great, we're creating all this content. And then all these detectors come out. And then you'll see data coming out where content is going to not necessarily, I don't know if it's going to be penalized exactly and how they're working that, but it is going to not rank as well as things when you're earning it. So I would say that yeah, there's aspects of growth acting that are great, but we tend to focus on more of the growth marketing side of things. When we met at the Inc. 5000 conference, I was really really interested in the way that you and Relevance work with clients. So I'd love for you to tell me, as well as the listeners, how you incorporate public relations, publicity with SEO and thought leadership. Yeah. So I think it starts with like, what do you want to own? I think that's what I was like talking about. It's like, Hey, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be like? You're a very passionate entrepreneur, which I love seeing. And I'm obviously drawn to people like that when I go to events, cause I'm like, this is awesome. And that's why like, I kind of like talking about it. We just explained before we got with the podcast is that I'm more of an advisor these days because I'm a fan of the way that relevance does things is because in reality, I want people to have passion and purpose behind what they do. And I want them to own those things and then can shine through content, how they position themselves. And so the first thing is, what do you want to own? And you look and see the brand messaging, the positioning, and then you look at where's the opportunity. So there's so much awesome data out there. Like 10 years ago, if we had this data, I would have been going crazy. Like it would have been amazing. But nowadays we have like, you can see exactly how hard it is to rank for things. You can see what it's going to take, what type of content. There's everything from Market Muse, Demand Jump, Moz, SEMrush. There's all these amazing tools out there that you can just simply say, here's an opportunity where we can own this industry. We can own these search terms. We can, when people are educating themselves, our content's going to show up here. Our leaders are going to show up here. When people are looking for the intent to buy, we're going to show up there, which is obviously the in search intent there. So that's the kind of next step. So you're like, what do you want to own? Where's the opportunity? And then it's looking at your company and where's the opportunity? Like what resources do you currently have? What resources do you need to bring in? Do you need to bring in a company like Relevance or do you need to bring in somebody that's, let's say, in a a different area or paid? We focus on the earned side of things just because a lot of the people that we see are doing paid internally sometimes as well. And then also it just came from our background of PR and the thought leadership where our last company was. So we kind of played to those strengths. So you look at that and you kind of say, you don't want to overlap. And, you know, so you want to say, what are we able to do internally? And what do we need to bring in the right resources? You bring in the right partners. There you go. And then after that, it's getting a content strategy, getting a map of what to do, ranging from the content on site, off site, what other strategies you'll be using. And then once you get that kind of plan, then it's all about execution. And if you set it up for success internally, you bring in the right partners. It's not rocket science. It's just a level of execution that needs to take place. Oh, you're on mute. <laughs> I would love it to make it more accessible to people listening. We've already. Sure. 
started a little bit with me. You guys are presenting to me and I'm very interested in working with you, but let's just pretend we're starting from scratch. Now I was talking to you maybe about being known more as a speaker, but let's switch it around freshen it up. Let's say that I want to be known in the world as the best resource for authors, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs, and industry titans to write the story of their life in the form of a memoir. And so I want to be placed on the map as the go-to resource for that. And you would help me do that by... Yeah. So if you look at that, the first thing is you got to say, okay, well, so what are we owning there? We're owning like, I'm an expert for memoirs and storytelling and that. So the first step is to, like I said, look at the opportunity. Who's out there right now? Who are you up against? That's where those tools that I told you. So now if you don't have those tools, just search. Like in reality, is that like go around and look and see if you're up against Gary Vaynerchuk, good luck. It's going to be tough. <laughs> Fortunately, you're not up for with Gary on that one. Yeah, there's actually not right now, in my opinion, from the research I've done, I love that they were like doing this right here live. There Let's is not yeah. one single leader. There are maybe 30 small people. And I don't mean they're small. Please do not. No. They're not small. They're not the Tony Robbins or the Gary V's of memoir writing for entrepreneurs. So continue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's not a standout. That's the thing is that you identify there's not a standout. And so then it's committing to being that standout. That's a common thing. There's nothing against small, like because it's a, in a lot of industries. And the reason why is because a lot of times either they don't want to because they like a lifestyle brand where they're just like good on making this money, which is great. All for them. If they're happy that I want them to be happy. And the other one is they truly have to commit to saying, I want to own this. Like I am going to own this. I'm going to commit to it because like really it's not easy. It's like, in reality, it's that I've worked with so many different people over the years in different ways with brand positioning and how you build credibility around yourself. And it's hard for a reason to stand out and differentiate yourself. You have to commit to it. So it's like, okay, well, here's how I'm going to commit to it mentally, through my relationships, through my budget, through these things. So you're saying, okay, I want to own this. I'm doing this. So once you kind of get that down, then it kind of goes back to the process, but I'll try to simplify memoir writing. Let's go back to that. If I had to guess, like I could go pull up the tools right now, there's going to be related terms that it's like storytelling, branding, like I'll start looking at all the different things that are related to it. Because what's different about just owning one term these days is you also want to own what we call clusters. So related terms to that thing you want to own. Because what's nice is that like people aren't just searching one thing these days. We're very, very needy when we go to Google. We're like, hey, I want a noodle that's gluten-free, that's here, whatever. <laughs> and so there's a little more log tail benefit. That's the whole idea behind Google's useful content update recently in the last year. So you look in, I think that just making initial steps, like actually planning and saying, hey, now I want to, with memoir writing, I want to own this. So we're going to find out the things related to it. And I'm going to design a content plan. Let's make this very simple is that I want to get content that is a lot of times we call this pillar marketing, but you create a really good piece, like have it on site or something that you own. Don't put a really great piece on somebody else's site. You want to own the really good piece because so they're coming to you. And then you look at it. What sub pillars or what pillars around that are related content that could be, let's say the initial article, or let's say it's an ebook or something is your pillar or even a long form guide or long form. There's a lot of different forms. Then you have your pillars that support that, which let's say it's it might be a blog post or some more content that's 2000 or 2000 words here. Then you have your 
basically spokes around it where you have content that you're putting on LinkedIn and these other places, content that you're getting offsite as well. So you kind of build it out that way. And so as you do that, you're going to see what works and what doesn't. You're going to start showing up for terms in different ways. And what I would say is there's not much competition. There's a lot of, I'm just going to say smaller, whatever the right word to say, less standout (laughs) people. You're going to start shining as you do more and more. And you're always looking and saying, what are other people doing? How am I doing it better? How am I being a true resource for these people? And like I said, that's where the earning comes in. So a lot of times you're going to know the different things because you're going to be looking at what's going on in your industry. What's going on? You're going to be getting feedback from these customers. What do they need from you? What are people when they read your content? What do they like about it? And then you're building off that. And you kind of keep creating these pillars over time. And like, let's say this podcast, that's one of your things that is basically a top of the funnel way to get someone into your paying attention to you. Then you start looking at what are other things where people can start coming in. Now, search is going to be a big thing because there's a lot of search traffic and it's very scalable. Podcasts, it takes over time and different things like that, but they're still valuable. But you got to look at what are the things that would make sense because you can hire a firm like Relevance to do the SEO PR. Should be fairly limited time. What are things that you do want to spend time owning and building out? And so whether it's a podcast, whether it's getting a book and really promoting it. I'm a fan of speaking because as you speak, you can sell books with it. You can get consulting fees with it and you can build a platform. So I like that. And that's why when you type in like keynote sales speakers or even marketing speakers, both articles organically, I'll show up number one for. And that was a strategy that I used going back to the beginning is that I want to be known as a sales speaker and marketing speaker. So I put the plan together to show up for those two keywords and ultimately be positioned that way so that people are coming to me in both those two areas. So even if you just, a listener types into Google right now, now hopefully it stays that way next week it could drop, (laughs) but both of those have been up for a couple, but you should see marketing insider group articles. At least if you try keynote sales speaker, you'll see that show up and you'll see I practice what I preach. Once you start being positioned for those things, it's compounding. That article you'll see, it was dated two years ago. I'm still getting attention for that and you go on to something new. So hopefully that made sense from as you build, you get your pillars in place and you get these things around it. You have your center point, you keep drawing people to you, keep drawing people to you. And then that's the whole idea behind inbound, which is something I'm a firm believer of is if you get people to inbound, come to you and want you for your expertise, or uh, there's just so much more opportunity to form a relationship, to make money, and in reality to scale it. Have you ever thought that you should write a book? that you should write the story of your life to help other people learn from your experience, please go to memoirsherpa.com and learn how I can help you write, figure out your publishing path, and market your story, your memoir, to a bestseller status. And then let's talk about the PR component. We've been talking about content and owned content, right? And the pillars and spokes and making sure that you're getting your initiative with keywords that you want to own out into the world. Got it. Then what is the PR, which is typically, if we're talking about traditional PR, that's someone presenting to the media for you to get you covered somehow. And I have a feeling you do it a little bit differently. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So I'm very big on strategic PR, like aligning uh, content. Like that's why that kind of, like doing Haro, even though I was just actually the founder of Haro, I was just on a call (laughs) with yesterday. He's a really nice guy. And I like Haro for a lot of different things. Yeah. And Um, let's just stop uh, and tell everyone what that is. It's help a reporter out where you get every day, a couple of times a day, depending on what you sign up for, opportunities to pitch the media on things that you're an expert for. 
Okay. Exactly. Continue. Thanks for explaining. A lot of those things are common, but I yeah. appreciate you taking a step back so we can explain that. But that's an example of something that's more just like traditional PR that you just get picked up and it's like, great, we got picked up, which there's times for that. And I, like I said, I do I like the product overall, but for what we do, it doesn't make sense because you're aligning everything to position yourself and for a reason, it has a business goal assigned to it. And so that's why it's vital to have strategically aligned PR. And so what does that mean? It means that you're doing things that are somewhat controlled and accurate. Actually, and I don't mean this, you can't control what a writer says about you all the time, but you're starting off with good relationships. Like, so if I'm you, I'm saying, okay, well, there's either a firm I'm going to hire that has these relationships, or I'm going to go out to people, form good connections, and I'm going to be able to pitch them. And they're going to basically be able to kind of help amplify and build credibility to these things that I'm doing, because that's the whole purpose. To me, PR is either you're getting additional distribution. These days, also helping with search, because natural PR is one of the best ways to show for uh, surge to add credibility and the perception. So there's less sales barriers and there's other goals, but in reality, let's just say it helps you get more visibility. So when you look at that, you say, okay, well, like going back to you and me meeting at eight, well, like I'm a writer at eight. You're an awesome female entrepreneur that just rocks out. I love, love everything about you. And so it's like, you're about as, I don't know, it's like, it's about as wishful to go out and get a source for me in writing. So like even me, just personally, you develop in that relationship or if others listen, have relationships that they can pitch. There's not much trust between or not many trust barriers between you and I because we know each other. I trust, I've heard your story, I've engaged with it. So those are things that you can, and, and also I write other places as well, but I would tell people to start off. It's like, go out there and hustle to people that will like and respect what you're doing and cover because that will help the strategic alignment of it because they'll actually care and they'll want to see you in and they're going to highlight things. And also they'll consistently use you as a source. So you have two different paths there you can and also you can do it at the same time i prefer to do it at the same time it's like build the relationships have someone who has the relationships and then you're consistently building it because like i told you i hire even my own company to do it for me and so i think that for me the new way to do pr it's like it's making sure it's aligned content you already know what your pillars that you're owning are when you're talking about those as you're communicating them you're earning a lot of it naturally that's free pr which was what i just described and with you and then you're when it makes sense you budget that in and so and then with nowadays with PR, you can actually measure it. it. used to, speaking, I know I mentioned Gary before, it's like, I remember one speech, he said, like, how do you value your mother or something? It's the same thing in PR, you can't value it. And I'm like, and I maybe I'm butchering it. Like I said, he's done some really good things. But in reality, you can measure it because if you're aligning it with business goals, is this helping search in this way? Is it helping me get more speaking? Like that one that I just gave you, that was a combination or where I'm showing up for a speaking term combination of PR and SEO. And it brings in revenue because people hire me to speak, can track that. It also has a placement back to our site or my you know, uh, personal site, which also increases in traffic. It also helps with converting. So when people are like hiring me to speak, they, and even in companies I'm involved with, they'll like, even in, uh, the relevance we were talking about before, they'll even give that as an example when they're talking about it in the sales process. If somebody's like, Hey, I want to speak or I want to be a speaker. They'll be like, Oh, well, John's one of our advisors. Look what we did for him. We got this placement here. So like, that's an example. And that's just me trying to be concise. I know I'm talking a lot, but like, that's just an example of how you're aligning business goals, PR with what we kind of started off with as a foundation foundational content or pillar strategy. Let me ask you the question is, I think I know the answer, but let's just educate me and everyone else listening. Does it matter if the writer that you're establishing a relationship with is a contributing writer or a staff writer? Does anyone really know the difference? And is there a weight one or the other way in your opinion? 
It depends. I mean, some people typically more of the, and I hate to say egotistical or like, oh no, this contributor is not the same. I'm like, look, like in reality, if it's a senior contributor that's been writing for years, that's trusted, that gets engaged content, I'll put them up against a new staff writer. Everybody argues about that. And they're like, well, no, as an editor, oh, it is a you know, thing. like, I, yeah, oh, it's absolutely a thing. And I mean, like I'm explaining, I'm like, look, guys, like diversity is great. I'm a fan of diversity in so many different ways. Same thing when you're getting placements. It's like, in reality, it's like, it's okay to get a contributor it's okay to get an editor it's like it's great i think that if you only get editors and no writers or contributors are writing about you i think it looks weird if you're only doing contributors <laughs> always and that's where like i think that for me earning things is the best way to do it and so like i tell people i'm like guys like and they'll talk about no follow versus follow and for those of you who don't know there that's like if a website says follow this link versus no follow which is basically saying oh it's kind of like don't pay attention to it type thing in reality do you really think google and being an ai is like you're right we're gonna let you dictate what we think is credible no they're not going to do that i test and we a b test a lot and i did that just to shoot through a point to an seo guru or whatever and they're like okay i went after a term and i only use no follow links like and then on one, I use only follow links. And then one, I used a mixture. And they were all about the same difficulty This guess what one, the mixture that looked very natural, that wasn't like trying, I think the more you try to predict stuff and, and there will be SEO experts and like that will argue with me. And, but I'm just like, but that's why it's not about just the data, which we back it up with data. We AB test. It's not about just the experts we trust and get different points of view. It's about common sense is that when you think about how evolved Google being all these places are being, and also just trust with everyday people who are customers. They want to see something that looks natural. We all have trust issues. Mm -hmm. Like I could go to door to door and sell some really crappy pizza and hey, buy this. And they're like, great, this is good. I'm sure I'm gonna buy it from this kid. Nowadays, if I went in that, they'd be like, hold on, let me check a Google review. Let me see how many of this, like we all have these crazy trust issues right now these days. And so I look at it as I'm like, guys, if you wanna be successful in business, you want to be a trusted, authentic brand person. And so let that reflect online. And so do that, earn it naturally. Now you can pay and people can put strategies together. That's great. Strategies are fantastic, but don't have a strategy that's like, I'm only doing this. I'm only doing this. Do something that's saying, okay, we're going to own this and we're going to look at make it look as earned as possible. Even if somebody, something is strategically placed, we just did a funding announcement for somebody, or it was a campaign where we timed it out where people were like, oh, let's start off with a press release. And it was like, no, 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 let's do an exclusive. Let's do ads. So more reporters that we like and target them. So they pick up this, then let's get a controlled piece here where it's like a friendly editor that's really loves the brand is going to write it. Then let's do a lot more ads here. Then let's, after a week, let's have this placement go live at this every week. Let's have this placement go live at this. Now, if you look online, you're like, holy crap, this is getting picked up here. Then it's getting picked up here and it's natural. Oh, a week later, somebody else picked it up a week later. Some picked it up. Looks totally natural. Now it's all planned. Now I like that because in reality it's thoughtful, strategic, but at the same time is that when you actually look in online and you see way, and this is a very natural approach to how it's being picked up, how other people are seeing it, different types of sites, different types of angles and things like that. So in summary is that to me, I think that anybody who says, oh, I only like this, or this is better over this. I think in reality, sometimes something that as long as it's reasonably relevant or credible, and it's a little different, sometimes it can bring a value as well, because it kind of creates that diversified portfolio that you're looking for of placements and links and or whatever. Let's just say content as some people will even argue if links are crawled these days. 
I'm wondering this, I was, I'm going to ask for myself, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs, especially as they grow older, they have success in their businesses, they pivot or they're looking in a different direction. So I am known in the field of event and entertainment production at the top, right? I don't need Mm -hmm. anyone else's help to get me there. I'm there. It's 22 years in the making, but I'm making this addition to my professional career and it can be confusing, right? So if you did a search for me right now, you may find my, I'm looking at my wall here. You might see all the CDs that I've put out as a jazz vocalist and a classical violinist. You may see entire productions, which is my core business. So how would you suggest to a client at relevance, like someone like me, who wants to step outside of what they're very well known for and into a completely new world? Yeah. So, I mean, like what's nice about that is that like you've worked hard for that brand and there's a a lot of credibility behind that brand and it's okay to trans, like you want to kind of pull some of that credibility and you can do that naturally. Like in reality, like I'm involved in different things. Like we're talking a lot about relevance, but like I told you earlier, I have 27 email addresses. We have over 20 investments. I'm involved like, I mean, I think I'm wearing, people make fun of me because I'm wearing calendar.com. Yeah, that I'm Gab wireless pants on i have socks from one of the other companies so they make fun of my like it just because i'm involved do you own in a the company different... with the silicone ring that you're wearing i know we don't own this i do like <laughs> i've worn silicone for a while and i don't own apple so okay. um, actually i do have apple stock but i'm not a, a baller there but you know it's one of those things where you kind of got to say hey like for me i'm kind of known for a little bit for piss like i'm a it's called top of mind uh, i wrote that book but my mentality behind companies is like if you engage people the right customers in the right way at the right time and you have a good product, good service, you're going to be successful. And so for me, that messaging is consistently coming out. And when you look at my content, I'm about trust, engaging people, treating people well, looking out for their best interests. And I think that a lot of those things, you were successful for a reason as an event marketer. And I think you're going to pass those things on to your pivot. And so those are where core values, those are where lessons learned, they're going to transition. And as you write content, you will refer to those. And whether it's Google, Bing, and they're going to see those things and they're going to be like, wow, this is credible. She's doing this. So you're going to have a little easier of time to have what we call topical authority. So topical authority is the idea that in an industry or expertise, you are more authoritative than like me. Like in the event marketing space, if you were writing content versus me and I was trying to rank versus you, even though I have a lot of authority, been writing a lot more content over time, you will likely win if you're going after certain terms because you are looked at as that topical expert. So, but at the same time is that you still have general authority as an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. you also are a successful entrepreneur, you've been featured in Inc and things like that. So when, when you pivot into the new industry, going after something new, you're going to have that general authority and you just kind of need to communicate, this is my new topical authority. And you're going to, instead of walking, you're going to start at a fast jog. And I think that's what when entrepreneurs are serial entrepreneurs, it's okay to be a serial entrepreneur and to position yourself <laughs> with credibility. And then at times you're going to focus on different things. But like the problem is, is that like right now, calendar is a big thing for us. So it's like, you'll see like on my LinkedIn brand calendar, you'll see like when I write for different publications calendar. In reality, it's just because we're on the market because I, and I'm an investor there, not like one of the employees similar to kind when we talked about relevance. I'm somebody who just loves helping good companies and good people out and I invest in them. So like calendar is a good example of that. So you're seeing a lot more if you look at like my LinkedIn newsletter, a lot of it's focused around different calendaring things. And we've been doing that for a while now because we knew there was a good deal of interest selling or buying us. And so you can tell is that that makes sense that I would be spending a little more time doing 
that. And so it's okay to do it. You just don't want to be bouncing around on every single possible thing you could be doing because that's the problem with entrepreneurs. And then Google and like digitally, nobody knows what the hell you're doing. And so that's the thing you do want to avoid. So hopefully that explained it. I want to move on to business in general. What would you say your number one challenge as an entrepreneur is today? Now, typically I'm asking this of an entrepreneur that has this one core business and a lot of the responses is people, honestly, right? Managing, hiring, firing. I mean, that is our biggest Achilles heel in general. But for you with your feet and irons in the fire, so many, what is your biggest challenge right now as we're speaking? Yeah, fortunately, I love my people that I deal with on a regular basis. And so, and I've done that for a reason, though. I think we could be a lot bigger in different companies that I'm involved in. I can be more involved. These days, I value happiness is a new definition. Happiness just isn't about money to me. As a young kid, it was a young entrepreneur, it certainly was. I think that these days, if I'm going to be involved with a company in any way and with regular touch points, I will only grow in something I'm involved with people that are good people. I'm not trying to just fill butts in the, in the seat. Like, I don't care if somebody's like, oh my God, we have this many sales. We need to hire 20 people tomorrow. I'm like, do we trust those? Or they, like, where do they come from? What interview process this? So I would say that you are right. So I don't need to beat a drum. People's always something. I think that I could talk about that all day, but I'm sure almost every guest has people these days. I would say trust is probably the biggest factor that you're up against these days is that we just went through one of the hardest, like you have, this is like a crazy trust, perfect, storm, uh, mistrust. You bought like, just look at what happened. It's Biden and Trump. So we have political barriers that are, that make us not trust each other. Just look at media barriers where all of a sudden you don't trust media in different ways. So you have media, you have generational, there's big gaps in how we use technology with generational differences. I'd make a joke in one of my speeches that I got so excited when my six-year-old, I wanted to show her my Timex watch. So I was like, oh my God, honey. I'm like, look at my Timex watch. This is my favorite toy as a kid. Guess what it does? And she's like, I'm like, look, it lights up blue. It lights up indigo. And she grabs it and she she goes, text Grandma Hall. And I'm like, what? She's like, text Grandma Hall. And mm-hmm. then she gets mad at the Timex watch for not calling Grandma Hall. And so like, that's what my wonderful daughter, and I was frustrated with her at the time, which is ridiculous. But that was a meaningful moment for me because it's like, look, this wonderful person that I love and I'm raising with my wife, she's growing up in a different world. So you have generational differences. And so if you look, it's funny, if you look at trust with politics, with media, with these things that I'm talking about, the line looks like this and it's like, boom, all of a sudden. So I think right now, like that's probably the biggest challenge is that whenever you're reaching out to somebody, they're like, why are you wanting something? What money do you want? This, it takes time. And unless like, I think in person is great. I think when we met at Inc, we were able to form a level of trust, which was great, but that's not scalable. I can't be away from my family every single week. So that's why like, I do like content. I do like seeding digital places with where people are learning or educating themselves with content for my companies. And that's why like, I love this area because I do feel feel like we're in this massive trust storm and any strategy that you can do online digitally it, that builds that, that brings people to you, that creates that, I think it's a good plan. And then also just looking and reflecting who you are as a person. Do you want to be someone that is still the car salesman? Do you want to be the person that is someone that is always in it for themselves? Go back to Adam Grant's give and take. There's a reason why Adam's book took off because we want to be around givers. We don't want to be just around takers. And so I would say reflect on yourself as a person and be like, what type of person do I want to be? And if I'm just out for myself, it's not fun. It's not great. And I think I'm ultimately going to lose in this current environment. So I think the more we can pair that together with the people that we are and how we present ourselves, if you can truly do that, then I think you have an increased chance of succeeding in entrepreneurship these days. 
For more information, go to the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. Want to know more about me? Go to my website, officialnatashamiller.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs.